Welcome to Catholic Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Alejandro Cervalli. Join me as I explore the plethora of knowledge of our faith. Together, we will look into Catholic fundamentals, break down the basics, the prayers, traditions, and practices used in our church to gain union with Christ. You and I are created in the image and likeness of God, including our minds. You must begin to open your heart to imitate the mindset of Jesus Christ. Catholic Mindset creates Catholic contents for Catholics looking to grow in their faith. You can follow me on social at Catholic Mindset Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of Catholic Mindset. Today we have Robert Fleitas. Who, he is a deacon in the Archdiocese of Miami. Welcome, Robert. How are you doing today? Thank you. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited about the topic of today. Today is this month is the month of October, and we, this is the Respect for Life month, right? Correct. So we're going to talk about a couple of topics that go around that. Um, so I'm very excited to see to see what we come up with, what this conversation rely, uh, develops, how this conversation develops. But before we do that, let's get to know you just for a little bit. Where are you originally from? Well, I was born in Cuba. I came to the States when I was a very young boy. I've lived here all my life. I'm a permanent deacon of the Catholic Church. I'm an attorney by profession, married guy with uh, four kids and a lot of grandkids. And how, how did you become a deacon? What gave you that calling? Well, I guess that, uh, you know, there is that calling inside of all, all of us to serve. And that service, uh, we can perform in different ways. Uh, in my particular case, I think that God wanted for me to, uh, to take this path. And, uh, and I just said yes to his calling. And that's what I've been doing in the last uh, 10 or 11 years of my life. And how do you like it so far? Well, I, I tell you what, it's, uh, my only regret is not having done it before. Uh, oh. sometimes, people, sometimes people ask me, uh, how long does it take uh, to prepare yourself uh, to become a deacon? And I say, well, probably all your life. All your whole life is a preparation to, uh, uh, to try to serve uh, God and serve you know, your fellow man the best way you can. Uh, so eventually, if you receive that calling, uh, you bring with it all your, all your personal history. So I guess the, the, the actual preparation is a, a whole life event. And what, what, um, what does a deacon do? What are, what are those range of responsibilities that can be assigned to you? Well, uh, I am a permanent deacon. Um, basically, as you know, the clergy is form of bishops, priests, and deacons. And the deacon is ordained as, as a member of the clergy for the purpose of service. Um, and we serve basically um, in, in works of charity. Uh, we also serve in the altar. And, and we're also called uh, to proclaim and to teach the word of God. So I guess those are our, our basic functions um, as part of our diaconate. Um, we, uh, as deacons, baptize, as deacons, we witness weddings, uh, we do wakes, uh, we do a lot of, uh, you know, funerals and burials, uh, we teach, uh, and, uh, and basically we make ourselves available to, uh, uh, to serve the people of God when needed, 
and as needed. Uh, you know, we are ordained for, for a particular diocese, Lord's diocese, and then our bishop assigns us to, to different tasks or, or to a particular parish. In my particular case, I'm assigned to a parish and that's what I have been uh, for the last uh, almost 11 years. Got it. All right. Okay. Respect for life. <laughs> Let's dive into that. So I think, I think one of the first questions will be to determine what is conscience first, right? Uh, well, yeah, I guess um, and the church always has defended uh, the right to life. Why? Because, you know, all of us were created to God's likeness and image. And we receive a dignity from our creator, uh, a dignity that is not uh, earned, uh, but is given to us by God. And as a result of that dignity, that is our life, uh, we're called to respect life from the moment of conception uh, to the moment of natural death. All aspects of life are sacred, uh, but the, uh, the, the fundamental right is the right to life without having the right to be born. Uh, obviously, all the other good things that we're called to do and uh, we will not be able to do. Our life is terminated before we're born. So the, the church has maintained a very strong position defending life at all stages, uh, uh, but particularly the fundamental right to life uh, is it, an issue that has become uh, the preeminent issue in our society today because we see that there is a direct attack on, on the right to life. Um, it comes from government. Uh, it comes from uh, uh, society, perhaps in general. You know, we, we're living in times uh, where there's a great uh, relativism going on. In the words of uh, the eminent Pope, but it is better than 16. Uh, and there are certain things that are non-negotiable. There are certain things that we cannot make any compromise on. Uh, we can never, never support intrinsic evil. Uh, and we must always advocate for what is good. Uh, now, the question that you ask concerning conscience is essential because, you know, conscience is not whatever I want it to be. Uh, there is, uh, I guess, conscience is a law that God has placed in the heart of every man and woman. Uh, and, and basically, our conscience tells us, uh, you know, to do good, to love, and to reject evil. Uh, I guess that's the first rule about your conscience. Uh, the second one is what we call the golden rule. Uh, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. And the third is, uh, you know, always uh, try to be charitable, try to love. And when we're forming our conscience, we need to form our conscience based on those principles. Because uh, nowadays we are tempted sometimes 
to you know to sometimes interpret what is good in the wrong way and what is bad also in the wrong way. So that's why it's very important for us to form our conscience so that we can act uh, the best way that we can in accordance with God's plan. If we don't form our conscience, then we fall into the trap of, uh, of living a life that is not in accordance with that law that God has written in, in our hearts. So that's why it's very important to form your conscience and to look for uh, sources that are legit in the formation of your conscience. Uh, because sometimes, regrettably, if we listen to the wrong sources, if we read the wrong, the wrong sources, uh, we may end up not forming our conscience properly. And we have to be very careful uh, of that. So from, from what you're telling me, I, I want to backtrack a little bit and I want to talk about life itself a little bit. Like, what, what is life and why is it important? We, we are. Um, I mean, I ask because I feel sometimes that people don't understand the value of life, which causes them to be a little more um, willing to throw it away you know, being to not giving it the value it deserves. So what is life and why is it important? Well, number one, you know, you know, we were created uh, in the likeness of God and to the image of God. Um, you know, life is a gift that's being, you know, given to us uh, by God in his in his wisdom, he decided at a point uh, to make us. And he decided to give us uh, free will. And he created us to live, uh, not to die, uh, to enjoy life, not to suffer, not to die, uh, but to basically enjoy life and uh, and have that relationship of love towards God and towards one another. So, you know, our life is, is, is the fundamental right that we have because it is actually given to us by God. And obviously without life, all the other uh, important and essential rights that every human being uh, should have become meaningless if you're not around. Mm. So I guess that's probably the, the best way that I can try to explain, you know, this gift that has been given to us by God in an act of total love. Uh, he truly uh, is self-sufficient. He doesn't need us. And yet out of love, he creates us. And he gives us that special dignity of having been created uh, unlike other uh, animals who were created to his own likeness, to his own image, who were given a body and who were given a soul, who were given an intellect, uh, and we were given the capacity uh, to, to know right from wrong, the capacity to, uh, to freely love or, or not love. And, you know, so we are truly, uh, you know, a very special creation. And as such, 
um, we see life as a sacred and, uh, and therefore must be protected at all times from mm. the moment of conception uh, mm. to the moment of natural death at all stages uh, because the dignity of man must be protected at every single stage. It makes sense. I think that we see we see life as a gift God creates out of love, right? And and we we know that we are created in the likeness and image of of God. So that already in itself, you know, we are created in in the likeness and image of God, including in our minds and our hearts and our in our in everything, and that comes from the creator of everything, right? That sits outside of creation itself. And then we are created in that likeness. So we consider Catholics as us consider that to be amazing, an amazing gift of God, of a God that creates out of love to share that gift of life itself. That's why I think it's, it's, it's one of the key things that it's difficult to explain to people, you know, but I think that's one of the main reasons why we consider life to be so important and protected. Like you said, at all stages and, and god, god was very pleased with what he did notice that when we go to the book of genesis uh, and in a very poetic way creation is explained to us uh, every time that god creates something uh, whether it was the the seas the animals uh, the trees whatever he always ended up saying and that was good but when it comes to us he says that was very good. So you know he knows that you know we are his master. We don't. We are his masterpiece. Uh, and uh, so yes, indeed, uh, it is. Uh, was always appreciate this incredible privilege that we have received. Uh, no merit on our part. It's totally. It's a total gift from God. It is given by Him, and as such, uh, we must respect it. It, and and that's I think that leads great into into consciousness of to, on like understanding all that to develop the right I guess conscience or or mindset around the value of life and and what you're saying you mentioned sources to continue what you were saying you mentioned yeah, sources uh, are there any sources that we should uh, keep in mind or educate yeah, ourselves uh, from mm -hmm. sure uh, consciousness is a process that you the formation of your consciousness is uh, so lifetime um, mm. program and it's, it's, you just don't form your conscience in a minute mm. like i said before it, it's the law written by god in your heart but that law that is written by god in your heart because you're free uh you know you may choose to ignore it uh to, you may choose to disregard it uh, or simply you may want to play dumb and just you know sort of wash your hands and you know turn away from what your conscience is telling you uh what to do so today we have a lot of confusion as to, you know, moral values, ethical values. Uh, you know, we're living at a time when there are a lot of philosophers and educators and politicians that are going around making statements uh, that are not necessarily in alignment with uh, what God once for us, you see, we can never, can never uh, do uh, something bad, hoping that something good will come out of it. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's the reason why the church is so opposed to any attack uh, in the human life. 
even when the intentions will be that at the end, something good may come out of it, but that good will be, uh, in fact, not good if something evil is done uh, in order to accomplish it. You see, that's why it's so essential. Uh, and if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you're a Catholic, to go to those good sources that were mentioned before. And there's no better source than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no better source than the scriptures. Uh, for us as Catholics, there's no better source than the catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, and the encyclicals uh, from, uh, uh, from the uh, popes from the last over 130 years or so. Uh, it, it is essential for us to, to become familiar with what the church teaches us uh, and to become truly familiar with, uh, with, with the gospel. Because if we fail to go to the right sources, then we have the risk of being exposed, the risk of the reality that we're being exposed to a lot of bad sources are there. And what sources are not bad, those are, I'm sorry, what, what sources are bad, those who are not in alignment with the gospel, those that are not in alignment with the teachings of the church, uh, those again they go against the the principle of you know of, of what is conscience, you know that you can never do good something to hope something. Uh, so you can you can never do bad some hoping that something good will come out of it, uh, and and you always must act uh, with love towards towards your fellow man, uh, and, and you must always you know, try to be charitable toward other people. So it is essential to understand what is uh, good and what is evil. And the church is very clear as to those things that we as Christians must support and very clear as to uh, what things we as Christians must oppose. You see, we must always, always oppose intrinsic evil. You can never, you can never support an intrinsic evil act. Can you break that down for us? What does that mean? Yeah. Well, for example, look, there we have to understand that our uh, our priority is to follow a God, it's teaching, and that's number one. That's before uh, we follow any particular philosopher or theologian or you know our favorite commentator from from any TV show. You have to go to the to the right source, uh, and if you go to the right sources, uh, the church has built throughout the last uh, 130 years or so what has become known as the you know the social doctrine of the Catholic Church, and it, and it states very clearly what is the position of the church based on, on, on the gospel as to these things are good and these things are evil. And those that are good with support. I mean, you and I, using our prudential judgments, may disagree as to how we achieve that ultimate goal that we're looking for. What is and that's and that's okay. You but said you, oh, yeah. what is prudential? Yes, I'm sorry. You said you said a word prudential judgment. Judgment. What is that? Yeah. Well, you know. God has given us the ability to, uh, you know, an intellect uh, to analyze things uh, and, and to make, make decisions 
uh, and sometimes there are different ways of accomplishing a particular goal. You may, you may have an idea how, how to do it, and, and I may have another idea of how we can go about it. And you know, as long as that objective is the same, as far as you know, promoting what is good. You and I, using our personal judgment, may disagree as to how we go about it. But the ultimate goal has to be our goal. And I think that the best way to, mm. to see this is with an example, maybe. You know, I mean, take, for example, take the issue of, uh, uh, let's say, healthcare, okay, healthcare or immigration. Uh, you know, our objective should be always to be charitable and to assist men and be charitable to men and, and, and never be an obstacle for men to live in accordance with God's given dignity. Now, how we go about accomplishing that, you may have your plan, I may have my plan, but our objective has to be to achieve the goal, for example, that every man should have access uh, to healthcare. Every man and woman should have access to decent housing, to a decent job, with a decent pay. You know, those are good objectives. So in good faith, we cannot oppose that. Now, you and I may disagree how we go about accomplishing it. So in your prudential judgment, you may say, uh, well, I think that the best plan is to do it uh, through a particular program that provides X, Y, and Z. And I may say, well, I don't think X, Y, and Z is the best way. I think that A, B, and C would be better. So that's where the prudential judgment comes in. Your ideas and my idea uh, may differ, but always that objective has to be in good faith to accomplish the ultimate goal. What would be the ultimate goal? In our example, for example, that every man has the, the right to, to have decent housing and this and this in uh, uh, access to health care and access to uh, uh, you know, food and access to education. And, uh, and, and as such, we, we must promote laws, laws in our society that make it possible for, the, for people to achieve the maximum of their potential and are able to live in accordance with their dignity. So we will support those things that are, that are good. And we always wanna make sure that, you know, we support those things that are good. How we go about it? I mean, I, you may say, okay, let's, to, give, to go to an extreme example. Well, you know, let's give, a free, let's give people free health. You know, and, and perhaps another way will be when instead of giving people free housing, let us make sure that we provide people with a chance to have a good education so they could have a good job, so they could have decent pay, so they could pay for those houses instead of giving to them free. Because after all, the responsibility is part of our right. You know, we have a right to live in accordance with our human dignity, but we also have a responsibility towards the common good. I mean, it's not a matter of, you know, of handouts. It's a matter of helping people of course, in moments of need, you, you have to uh, give people what is necessary to survive. But the ultimate goal is to lift people up. So by their own 
uh, ability, uh, if they have it, they can uh, you know, achieve their maximum potential. You, know, you don't want to make them dependent all the time, but you want to give them the, the, uh, the tools to achieve their maximum potential. Bottom line, what I'm trying to say about potential judgment is that the goal, the good goal has to be always there. But you and I may have differences how we accomplish it. I don't know if, that, uh, if I answer your question with that. Yes, thank you. So we're talking about intrinsic evil, right? Which are, are those things that are against basic human rights, against things that go against God, the things that go against the right of, 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 of being alive and being in that full, I guess, imagery of, of Christ. Um, can you give us a list? Can you give us some examples of what are intrinsic evil? Sure. sure. There, there are a number of things that go against the dignity of, of the human life that you, uh, you know, we can never support. And as such, we can never support suicide, for example. Uh, we can never support euthanasia. Right now, a number of states in the United States have approved laws, uh, you know, that allow mercy killing. And, and that's something that we will never be able uh, to, uh, to accept as being good. It is evil. Uh, we are against cloning uh, because cloning, once again, any, anytime that you start uh, experimenting with the human body to the extent that you take his dignity, uh, we have an issue. Any, anytime that you try to destroy a life, uh, we have an issue. And that's one of the reasons why the church is against uh, embryonic uh, stem cell research, uh, because you're killing an embryo. Uh, I mean, the, the, ob the objective is good eventually, well, we, so we can save life, but you can never destroy life in order to make life. You see, that's, why, that's what we're talking about. You can never do evil, hoping that something good will come out of it. Uh, as you know, we are against the, uh, the death penalty. You know, nowadays, there is no reason for the death penalty in, in modern society. Uh, you know, so therefore, those are some examples. We can never support injustices or acts of racism. We can never support the uh, proliferation of uh, arms of mass destruction. Uh, we cannot uh, support the bombardment, for example, of civil population centers. Uh, so those are things that go against the, uh, the dignity of, of, uh, of man. So in, in situations like that, we must oppose those. And we, at the same time, there is another side to it. There are a lot of things that we must promote, that we must promote, uh, like, and I mentioned a few of them before, the, you know, the, the right to decent housing and health and, and the, the right to, uh, to freedom of religion and freedom of expression. Uh, you know, the right to, to have your good name being respected, yeah, the right to culture, uh, the right to, uh, to emigrate, uh, uh, you know, the right for the nation, where you are, of course, subject to the nation's uh, laws and, and, and requirements. You know, the right to marriage between a man and a woman, uh, the, the right to have a family, uh, the, you know, the right to choose your job. Uh, the right to achieve your maximum potential. So as you can see, we, we support whatever is good and we're opposed to whatever is evil, regardless of uh, who's promoting it. So like I said, we, we follow Christ. And, uh, and as such, 
you know, whatever is the good comes, we have no problem saying that's that's okay. We we'll, we we'll respect that, and whatever evil comes, we have to say we cannot accept that. The Pope the Pope has made some declarations, right? Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. Uh, well, specifically on what on any particular of these topics, uh, because he makes a lot of he's been making a lot of declarations lately. Yeah, let, let's let's talk about the one about abortion. Yeah, yeah, I, I left that one uh, for the end, uh, and yet it is the preeminent issue in our society today. And, and the reason is obvious because it is, you know, the killing of an innocent child. We believe that life begins at the moment of conception. Okay, uh, and I, from that point on, life, life is sacred. Um, yeah, but abortion is. Uh, one of the worst evils that we're presenting uh, that the society is facing today, and it has become in the in the world of the uh, of the uh, bishops of the United States the preeminent issue in our society. I mean, as you may know, in 1973, the Supreme Court decided the famous case of Roe v. Wade, and uh, and since that point on, uh, according to different estimates, about there are about about 800,000 abortions every year. I mean, it's estimated that between 60 and 62 million abortions have taken place in 1973. And, um, and that's something that, you know, the church has always been against. And there have been declarations by, uh, not only by Pope Francis before him, uh, by Pope, ben uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict before that, by uh, St. John, uh, John Paul II, all of them have come out. Uh, for the defense of life. And, and some of these declarations are, are very powerful, um, you know, and they go straight to, um, you know, to, 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 the, uh, to the core of, the, uh, of your question. But we can never uh, be pro-choice. Uh, we can never support uh, abortion. And, and as such, we must always be against the, uh, you know, any way that you could you know, the promotion of abortion or the financing of abortion. Uh, recently, as you know, there have been a number of laws that, that uh, they've been trying to pass in Congress to, to further extend abortion. Uh, you know, early this year, uh, the United States withdrew from the Mexico policy. And basically the Mexico policy said that we, as a country, would give money to another country non-governmental entities, those entities may not uh, use those funds for abortion. Well, that's not the case anymore. Now, if we send your money and my money, we say, the government sends it to a non-governmental uh, entity, they can use it for whatever they want without any restrictions. A few months ago, you probably know that uh, the United States Congress uh, passed the new, uh, proposed a new budget uh, without the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment is an amendment that prohibited our dollars to be used to promote or facilitate abortion. Right now, the Congress of the United States is proposing a budget without the Hyde Amendment protection. And, and you know what happened last week on, uh, on September 24th. Uh, you know, the Congress approved um, under the name of the Women's Health Protection uh, uh, Act that uh, what basically is free abortion without any restrictions 
uh, whoever asked for it, uh, from from the moment of conception to to the time that the uh, to, you know to, to the entire pregnancy without any restrictions whatsoever. And uh, and in addition to that, there's also possible uh, challenges to the conscience of the uh, doctors who refuse to perform it. So it is truly sad what is going on in our country today uh, as the right to life is being under attack uh, at, at different uh, levels, but, but particularly in this case, in the case of the unborn. Uh, and, um, and this is not to say that, you know, life is always sacred and we must defend it and protect it at all stages. But I think that one of the, one of the most beautiful declarations uh, that I've read, and if you allow me, I, I will share it with you. And that was by John, uh, John Paul XXII. And um, several years ago, uh, he wrote in uh, uh, what is called Christi Fidelis Lacy. He made the following declaration. The common outcry, which is justly made on behalf of human rights, for example, the right to health, to home, to work, to family, to culture, is false and illusory if the right to life, most basic and fundamental right, and the condition for all other personal rights is not offended with maximal determination. In other words, once you take that, the, the, you know, the life of that baby away, you know, uh, all those other rights become irrelevant to that baby. And that's, uh, you know, that's a particular declaration from John Paul II. We can, there are a lot of other declarations made by Pope Francis. Uh, I'm sure that if you've been following the news uh, lately, he's, he spoke very strongly uh, against abortion. So some quotes from uh, Pope Francis in, uh, in Gaudete Exultate, he said, our defense of the innocent unborn, for example, uh, needs to be clear, firm, and passionate. For at stake is the dignity of a human life, which is always sacred and demands love for each person, regardless of his or her state of development. And, uh, you know, he also said recently that abortion is not the lesser of two evils, it's a crime. I used to throw someone out of, uh, in order to save another one. And he, he said in a very colorful way that, that that's what the mafia does. It is a crime and absolute evil. So <laughs> the church is very clear that we can never, under no circumstances, uh, support such an intrinsic evil as it is uh, abortion. And we cannot uh, you know, promote it, we cannot defend it. Uh, certainly we cannot finance it. And certainly we uh, should oppose it. And, and at the same time, uh, be compassionate. Compassionate with the women who are going through this experience. Uh, you know, understand that those who are going through an abortion are always welcome to the church. And because God's mercy and forgiveness has no limit. Can, can a Catholic be a good Catholic and poor choice? Never. That's, that's, a, that's a contradiction in, in itself. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and we hear a lot of say, people say, well, I am a Catholic and, uh, and I'm pro-choice or, you know, I don't believe in abortion, but it's okay if, if you know, if, if women have an abortion, who am I to say? No, that, that's, that is not a coherent position uh, regardless where it comes from. You can never say that, you know, I am against abortion, but it is okay to promote abortion or to finance abortion or for other people to have an abortion. No more than I can say, hey, listen, uh, I am against killing, you know, 
but it's okay for you to go and kill people. You know, murder is murder, you know, and, you know, no man is an island. And, uh, and, and I must speak up for, for justice, uh, not only because of my own life, but because of, you know, we, we, are, we are a community, we are a people. And, um, you know, when they do harm to you, they're doing harm to me as well. So that's why you must always uh, oppose a, a portion. You can never support it. You can never say that you are that you're pro-choice uh, and at the same time that you are practicing Catholic. It's a contradiction. Our faith is a faith of life, right? I mean, we have we have the Eucharist, which is the source of life, right? It is God who went on the cross and died for us. So it's life giving itself for our eternal life. And, and we cannot believe in that and terminate life, Correct. human life. Right. right. And, that, and, and like I said, we, we respect, that's the reason why it's important to respect life at all stations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and we have to be very careful because there is a temptation that, um, you know, to concentrate yourself in one issue and forget the others. And all of them are important. I mean, we have to f not only fight against abortion, we have to fight also against the death penalty. Uh, we also have to fight against injustice and racism. All those issues are essential uh, because, because they are part of segments of human life. Now, at the same time, not all the issues have the same weight. You see, there, uh, sometimes people say, okay, listen, uh, I, I, I support uh, this particular agenda because it is pro-immigration, uh, pro-health, uh, pro-housing, and, um, but I even support it, even at the risk of having also to support in that particular group, uh, abortion. And that you can never do that because although health and education, and immigration, all those things are important, you know, they all, they don't carry it the same way. And so that's the other risk. You follow me? And you yeah. cannot just worry about one issue and then disregard the other. But you also have to be very clear that not, not all the issues have the same weight when you make uh, your own uh, decisions as to, uh, you know, what you're going to, you know, what, what particular uh, group you're going to support. Uh, if that if that group uh, also uh, rejects the right of life, then you you really have to uh, do some serious thinking uh, and form your your conscience adequately. So you can make the right decision. So some people, some people question whether religion and politics should interact. What do you think about that? Well, you see, our, our faith is not a faith that you just practice within the four walls of your church. We're all the church. Uh, you know, when Jesus uh, began his public life, what did he do? He did not stay in Nazareth or he, he just went out from town to town uh, proclaiming the good news. And, and, and proclaiming the good news, which is no other than a call to love. God calls us to love him. And, and to love one another. 
And, and Jesus made emphasis in that because that's been the Father's call from day one. You know, I mean, if we go back to the Old Testament, if you look at the Ten Commandments, what are the Ten Commandments? A call to love. The first three commandments is about, you know, our relationship with God and how God is calling us to love him. And the other seven is God calling us to love each other. Uh, so, but, so Jesus went out and spoke up uh, in, in, in the public square. And uh, he said what needed to be said. He was not afraid. He was not afraid to confront the Pharisees. He was not afraid to confront the Sadducees. He was not afraid to confront the political authorities. He wasn't even afraid to, to confront Rome. What needed to be said, he said. What needed to be done, he did. So we are followers of Christ. We are the church. So consequently, our faith is not a faith that we practice only within the four walls of our temple. We need to go out to the public square. We need to make our faith known. And we need to defend what our faith is stand for, which is for the dignity and respect for every human life from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death, because we were created to God's likeness and image. And for us, uh, as Christians, uh, we believe that we have received that special gift of becoming truly adopted sons and daughters of the Father. We believe that that dignity has been given to us as well, as well as the dignity of becoming temples of the Holy Spirit, the dignity of being participants in God's own divinity. Um, and this dignity demands from us that every human being should be respected, uh, that every human being should be free. And when injustices are committed, when there's an attack against the dignity of man at any stage, we must go out there and, and say what needs to be said. So yes, we have an obligation to form our conscience and to be responsible citizens so that our duties as members of society are in alignment with our faith. So yes, we have to be out there, no question about it. Uh, and yes, and if you fail to do that, then you're failing uh, in, your, in your mission. Uh, same, you know, it is no wonder that our Lord before ascending to heaven, what did he do? He, he sent the apostles into the world and said, go out and preach the good news. And that's the good news. That's what the gospel is all about, about loving God and, and loving our fellow man. And if we love people, that means that we have to respect them. We have to respect their dignity. Um, so yes, that, in, that, that interaction is, is, uh, is not only necessary, it's, it's, it's an obligation that we have. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, our, our faith, our belief is not a part of us. It's, it's our entire self. Correct. Right. There's no separation very, very between wonderful. us and our faith. And we are going to act that out. We're going to lift that out. So that it's... I, it's difficult for me to see a separation between how one acts out their politics because their faith is part of their whole person. So they will act out their politics accordingly. So in essence, there, there is no separation. Right. Right. Um, so I know that we're running out of time and it's been wonderful having you here to talk about this in this month of 
of respect for life. Um, one more question. Is there, is there anything else you would like to share with us for our listeners regarding our topic yeah, today? Well, I, this is one of those months that there is a lot of things going on. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not only the month for respect of life. It's also the month of, uh, of stewardship. And, uh, and basically is a reminder to all of us that whatever talents, whatever time, whatever treasures you have is because God has been generous enough uh, to give it to you. And, and, and in this particular month of uh, October, uh, it's also the stewardship month because we're supposed to also be there for each other, to share talents with each other, uh, to share treasures, uh, to share our time, uh, and, uh, you know, and to try to put them to good use for, uh, you know, like I said, Island. we need each other and we need to pull each other so all of us can uh, you know, reach our, our maximum potential, potential and hopefully uh, walk together uh, to our ultimate goal. And for us, for Christ, as Christians, our ultimate goal is the house uh, of the Father. And in this trajectory, we're trying to make this world uh, a better world. That's why Christians must live their life with their feet firm on the ground, on the reality that surrounds us, making a better world but always with our eyes in heaven, which is our ultimate uh, our ultimate goal. Amen to that. Robert, thank you so much for taking the time no, to share with us. Me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. Take care. <laughs>